name is Pamela DC. I am based in Union Hall in West Cork in the south of Ireland. I am involved with the RNLI for many years. I've started fundraising I think since I was 11 when I used to help my mum um, the days when you didn't say no back to your mother. So I was involved with fundraising from then. It was Sunday the 15th of January 2012 and it's a day that I will never forget. We got a phone call at home about quarter past six in the morning to say what was after happening. So straight away then, you know, things go into overdrive. You start trying to get things ready. And of course the local shop was closed. So we rang them to see would they open up and fair play to Noel, he opened up the shop and we went up and we bought out all the bread, all the milk and ham and butter and cheese and things like that to start making sandwiches. We kind of rallied troops around us at home and at a quarter past nine that morning I was below on the pier out of the back of my brother's truck giving out tea and coffee and sandwiches and it's just something I'll never forget that eerie sound like the helicopter always for me when it goes overhead you know it's always oh you know they're on a job they're doing whatever but for me that morning standing on the shore listening to that sound and seeing those lights up and down along the rocks at half seven in the morning it's just something that I will never forget in my lifetime. The T-Bonham was a trawler that was fishing out of Union Hall. It had been at sea on a fishing trip and was returning back home to port and unfortunately it struck a rock called Adam Island at the entrance to Glendor Harbour. Normally when we think of boats being in the harbour you think they're so close to home it's only a mile from the pier and once you've turned into that harbour I suppose being in a fishing family you always say they're home once you've rounded that corner but unfortunately they hit the rock and the boat subsequently started taking on water a mayday was issued the helicopters from Waterford and Shannon were tasked Baltimore and Court McSherry lifeboats were tasked and then the local civil defence ground units and the Coast Guard ground units were all kind of dispersed I suppose to Union Hall that morning. Um, it's just, it was an awful tragedy so close to the, to the pier. Um, thankfully there was one casualty airlifted but unfortunately the other five um, didn't make it so far from the 15th of January 2012 to the 8th of February we spent a month long in Union Hall every single day with thousands turning up to help and involved in the search to try and recover the bodies. I think the main thing from our month's search in Union Hall was that all those bodies were recovered and returned to their families and at least those families have closure. A lot of families around our coastline in Ireland, unfortunately, will never get that closure. The T-Bonham was my catalyst, I suppose, then. So in April, I sat down and decided I'd write a letter and just basically put in what had happened on the day with a loss of five lives and that there was a gap on the coastline. And we sent off the letter and I got a phone call, I remember, in October of, the, of 2012 
to say that um, my application had been read and that it was favourable, but we had to do a feasibility study on the area. And the reason that I remember all this as clear as day, it was the day after my mum was buried. Who would have been a fundraiser for the lifeboat as well? When I got that phone call, she'd have been extremely proud. And because of our involvement, I suppose, in the fishing industry, we're all too aware of the dangers of the sea and we went operational in Union Hall in September 2014. That August we decided we would have a big day on the pier in Union Hall. So we thought we'd do a swim and we had numerous other activities on the same day like welly wanging and there was a raffle. Um, there was different things that we'd organised but manpower was an issue because all these events need a community basically to run them for a day and we didn't have enough manpower so the following year we decided we'd just concentrate on the swim so in 2014 we had 67 entrants for our swim and we limited now to 350 people it's raising over 10,000 um, at the moment we also would have the souvenir shop which would take in five or six hundred euro and then buckets on the pier on the day to for people to make donations so easily between 13 and 15,000 the swim is bringing in which is phenomenal money for our small little village where we are. In 2018 in the summer I wasn't feeling great and I was just putting it down to being busy summer uh, work was really busy most weekends I would be volunteering I'd have the shop at the farmers market every Saturday and if there was regattas on Sundays I would attend the regattas with souvenirs and September came and I still wasn't feeling great but I knew work kind of had cut back a bit so I was thinking there's something not right the only symptom that I had on a continuous basis was tiredness ended up going to the doctor on the 6th of December who said, I think we need to send you in because it looks like you might have a blocked bile duct. So into hospital I went on the 7th of December and at quarter to 10 that night, the 7th of December 2018, I got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, which was a complete shock. And straight away I said to myself, that's it, game over. First of all, I didn't know much about pancreatic cancer, but anyone I knew who had it never survived. So I spent a week in hospital, came home, wrote down everything I wanted to have done in a little journal at home, which I put into the bottom drawer of the bedside locker and have not looked at it since. And I began my chemotherapy on the 16th of January, 2019. And my first round of chemo hadn't been successful. My tumor hadn't shrank. Then they decided that if they went at it with everything really, this was going to be my best chance, but that I was going to be really sick by the end of it. And I had no choice really but to go with it. I suppose when word got out about my diagnosis, um, the station were so supportive of me, but all the stations around Ireland, I received like cards and flowers and novenas and rosary beads from friends from lifeboat stations all around the country and it just you know goes to show in times of need they were all there so supportive of me 
like offering to drive down, collect me, take me for my chemo or take me for my radiotherapy or whatever. The amount of offers from friends and stations and it's those kind of friendships that, you know, you think, oh, you take them for granted, but they mean so much to, I think, in times when life isn't kind to us. And it's just things that you're never going to forget. And the people that you meet through this organization, you know, we always talk about our, our in a life family. They're always there for you, I think. And it's the friendships. It's what you put into it. You will get back out of it. So I had combined chemotherapy and radiotherapy for the next five and a half weeks. I subsequently ended up in hospital for the next six and a half weeks. And it was coming up to the time of our swim. And my surgeon, who was based here in the Mercy Hospital in Cork, came in one day and he said, Pamela, there's a swim happening down your way and I'm trying to book in. He says, but it's full. And I said, well, no, that's a surprise for you. I said here because I'm just after adding 50 more places back into it. And he said, are you working on that swim from the bed? I said, well, I can't do much else, but I can do the behind the scenes stuff. So he booked into the swim and he said, I will let you go home for that swim if you will walk the stairs for me before you go home. Now, walking that stairs was like climbing Kilimanjaro for me because my legs, the muscles in my legs had completely wasted away. But I have a determination and I walked that stairs and home I went and I sat on the pier that Sunday for the swim. And he said that if, you know, to stay at home to do a bit of recovery, which would help me from my surgery. And I then had surgery two weeks afterwards on the 15th of August, 2019. And I had Whipple surgery, which was a massive surgery, 11 and a half hours where they removed a piece of my stomach, my intestine, my gallbladder, my spleen, piece of my pancreas and spent two weeks in hospital, came home and then things went pear-shaped about four weeks later. I had lost seven and a half stone within a couple of weeks basically and I had to start seeing a dietitian about putting on weight which I never thought I'd see in my life and they wanted me to stay in Cork for my treatment but I was refusing to stay in Cork really because I said what do I want to listen to the noise and the traffic for in the city I can sit at my window at home and I'm looking out at the sea and for me the sea has always been my healing stone basically and um, there isn't a day goes by that I don't look at it appreciate it it's always changing you know, it's just so inspiring. I think the colours and the what the sea possesses for every one of us. It's definitely been involved in my healing process big time. Water, I think for me, is therapy. You look at the sea and when you blink your eyes and you look again, the colour has changed, the texture has changed. Every part of it, when you look around, it's just all like it changes in the blink of an eye. But I think for you, if 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 anyone is somebody who's, you know, suffering with anything in life or life throws challenges at you, which unfortunately life will throw challenges at us all. I think just to sit, breathe in that air and you get that salt smell, you know, into your nostrils and you're just sitting there and close your eyes. And it's just the sound and the textures and it's just listening to that, you know, it's a beating thing when you're sitting listening to the water and 
it's what you take from it but I always think it has a calming soothing influence and no matter how challenging life is I think sit on a bench beside the sea and just spend five minutes there and you're like a completely different person when you get up and leave I remember one day leaving for the hospital and I was really bad this time and I was sitting outside the door looking down to the pier and looking at the sea and all that was in my head was will I see this again because when I was leaving that day I did not think I would be coming back and yet here I am going on August of this in 24 I'd be five years cancer free and it's I am so fortunate every day that I can get out of the bed, put one foot in front of the other. It's a bonus. No matter what, you know, life throws us all challenges, I think, but it's how we deal with them. Our 10th birthday, it'd be a big celebration for our community, for all our volunteers, for our station. But we're a piece, I think, of the overall jigsaw and the fact that the RNLI is celebrating 200 years of life-saving and water safety and it's just so exciting for us to be part of that like we were a long time trying to get a lifeboat station in Union Hall and now that we have a station and we're 10 years in we're so proud well I'm so proud and I know everyone attached to the station is so proud of each and every person who gives of their time who turns up doesn't make a difference what the event is if they're do, as I you know doing the baking or they're out on the boat no matter what role someone plays at a station everyone is so important in working together as a team hello it's Phil Coulter here you've been listening to part of the RNLI's 200 voices collection to hear more remarkable stories head to rnli.org 200 voices or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. 200 Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.